Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Human Behavior Show. We're on episode five, and we are going to have a brilliant guest today. And I'm super excited to be doing this live on Colin app. We're live on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you are listening, um, we'd love to get in touch or any feedback for the show so far. Today, we're going to be exploring happiness, and we're joined by an excellent speaker, someone who is a co-host with me on the Human Behavior Club, and. I'm just super excited to kind of delve into this topic. I often think about this uh, topic um, in terms of health and what we want from life. So I'm super excited to get Jacqueline in the room so we can start discussing this. And how this works is that you can come up, ask your questions, and we will um, also answer them live as well. So don't shy away from that. Uh, I like this kind of style of podcast where we can dive deeper into a topic. Um, so yes, um, super excited for this one. Um, I'm just waiting for Jacqueline to join. Um, there's a lot of questions that come up when we talk about happiness, what it means to be happy. And, um, it's something which I've often considered what makes us content. Is it money? Is it social relationships? Is it our health? Is it, um, you know, dopamine hits we get from certain activities, a lot of different things. And, and Jacqueline has joined us now. So we're going to explore some of these topics uh, on the podcast. Going to keep it to about 32, 33 minutes as, as all our podcasts are. And I'm super excited for this one. Welcome, Jacqueline. So happy to use the word happy to have you here. Join us here on the podcast and you do a brilliant job. Um, so I'd love you to explain to everyone what your background is and how you got interested in happiness science. Well, good morning. I am so happy to be here. It's uh, what a beautiful way to start my Saturday and to focus on really what one of the most important things I think that we all need to really consider in our life and how our personal happiness is. You know, I started uh, many years ago now uh, focusing on happiness for the sole purpose um, because I became a mother and my oldest son now is 14 years old. I had the wonderful gift of becoming an adoptive mother when he was just 11 weeks old. And the beautiful process of becoming an adoptive parent is you have to go through these remarkable set of questionnaires and um, conversations with social workers to make sure that you're going to be a fit parent for an adoptive child. And one of the great questions that came up was, you know, what are your expectations for your child? And I really looked at this differently of not what my expectations were for my child, but what were my expectations for myself as a parent and how could I best teach my child in the world? And the most important things for me were how could I grow a loving, happy, contributing child to this world? And so when my son was three years old, I decided before he started his school years and what we know about children is so much of their programming and their brain programming goes on between the years of zero and seven. And so I thought one of the things I knew I could do as a parent was teach my son the skills of what I wanted, which was a happy, compassionate, loving little child in this world. So I set off on a little mission with him, and it was a personal parenting project that we ended up calling 365 Give. And we, on his third birthday, 
decided we were going to do one thing to give back to the world every day for 365 days. Now, it sounds like a lot. Most of my friends and family thought we were a little crazy. But this project had to be so simple, a three-year-old could do it. And so off we went. And I sat him down. We talked about what giving meant. We talked about what kindness meant. We talked about happiness and how we could help make others happy in the world. But we weren't just inclusive of people. We included animals and we included our planet. Because what we know about giving is that giving can be all of those things. It can include all of these parts of our world and parts of our lives. So off we went and we set it on a mission uh, to change the world. Just one give, one day at a time. And so simple, a three-year-old could do it. And we talk about it as a daily habit, that it's a daily habit like brushing your teeth. And once you get going, um, you get on a roll. So we sat down with intention. We made a list. We started talking about the things in our own life, in our own world, that we could do every day that would make an impact on ourselves, on our neighbors, on our family, and within our community. And 365 days later, we had a daily habit of giving going. And the beautiful part of the experience was, is how much we learned about happiness through our giving journey. Because what we know about giving and what I learned in our journey is that one of the greatest ways to increase your personal happiness is to give every day. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to include money. It can be small and simple, but it's a beautiful way to increase your personal happiness. We actually call it your daily dose of happiness. And the dose stands for dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and our endorphins. And giving actually increases all of these beautiful chemical and hormonal reactions in our brains and in our bodies that makes us feel love, that makes us feel happy, that gives us motivation and a reward every time we give. And I think one of my favorite parts about giving is it reduces our cortisol. And our cortisol is our stress hormone, that fight or flight. And when we reduce our cortisol, we increase our immune system. Um, we, we, are we are healthier uh, and happier in our own lives. And in turn, we then show up so much better for everyone else in our lives. I'm, I'm on my soapbox right now, so he <laughs> <laughs> but but I can go on about giving and happiness for literally half no, an hour I, longer. <laughs> I, I love that explanation. That soap um, acronym is so good. And, and you've explained it physiologically as well, why it uh, makes us happy. And I love the concept and how you started. And you seem to have such a genuine approach to happiness. Um, and I mean, that's why you stood out to me when you were talking about happiness, you just felt so sincere about why you're interested in it. It's all about, you know, giving as well, making a big part of it. So I guess we've talked about what happiness is or how we become happier. Uh, I want to know what is the difference between happiness and satisfaction and contentment? Um, mm. Should we be happy all the time? Is, is that, is that even good for us to be 24 seven happy as some of us nowadays are striving for? Well, I think that that type of happiness can be an illusion. You know, I think what we need to strive for in our life, you know, my son, um, I ended up adopting three boys and my middle son, this is actually a fun part of the story, um, 
when on our day 365 of 365 days of giving was the day my second adopted son came home. And so we always called him the 365 give baby. And he has a lot of neuro differences, but one of the beautiful things that he taught me or has taught me and continues to teach me every day is that happiness comes one smile at a time, strung together moment by moment to make a beautiful life. And what we need to remember is there's, there's happiness and there's joy. And happiness tends to be more of a moment by moment, experience by experience, um, kind of moment in our life. So you may be happy for a moment. You may be out there giving. You may be out there walking in nature. You may be spending time with friends or family and you have an experience in that moment of happiness. But I like to think about happiness and joy as something slightly different. And and even satisfaction is joy is that underlining energetic feeling, that state of being where we feel that underlining um, state of, of joy in our lives on a more of a continuum rather than happiness being a moment by moment experience. And it can come and go in our lives because happiness is not only um, a physical reaction that happens in our bodies um, and mental reaction, joy is a state of being where it's part of who we are in our lives every day and not so much of a fluctuation in our lives. So when we talk about happiness, we can increase our happiness moment by moment, but really the goal is, is how can we be more joyful? How can we have a steady stream of joy in our lives that's a continuation um, that travels through our lives and is part of who we are? That's a fantastic um, happiness researcher who I've spoken to before, Dr. Ashley Willens from Harvard, um, and she talks about being happy in, in a way of how much stresses you have in your life. Um, and she believes in the concept of if you can kind of automate a lot of your stress in your life, be it the small micro stresses, um, in terms of, you know, cooking and all of those things that we need Parenting to take care of ourselves. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So she thinks, um, above money does not make us happier above a certain point. I think she put that at mm-hmm. $70,000. 75000 mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, 75000 mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And she says it's more about time. Time makes us happier, not being time stressed. What is your take mm-hmm. on that? You know, I completely agree with that. You know, what we know about happiness is, first of all, it's not that money doesn't make us happy, but at a certain level, and it's that $75,000 mark, where you have what you need in your life. You've, you've got a roof over your head. You've got food on the table. You have the opportunity for not only taking care of our basic, basic human needs, but a little extra at that point as well. So that's where that $75,000 number comes from. Um, and then everything over that is gravy, but not needed for our happiness. That we can have a, a lovely level of happiness at that, that um at that dollar value. And, you know, what we know is some of the things that cause us less happiness or contribute to not having happiness are those stressors in our life. And it's not only the stressors in our life, but how we're able to cope with them. And to me, that's where joy comes in a little bit more or how we 
you know, I like to think of it of, of happiness as a toolbox that we can create. And when we create this, this happiness toolbox in our life, where we have um, a number of different ways that we know how to personally increase our happiness, we then have the tools in our life to deal with our stressors as well. So we're spending less time stressing, getting stuck in our head, getting triggered by the outside world. And now we're starting to be in that place of joy that I was talking about. When we know how to deal with our stress, then we're not getting stuck in dealing with stress. We're not spending our time dealing with stress. We're actually instead flipping it around and we're knowing how to increase our personal happiness. And that creates more balance in our life, which in turn gives us more time to do the things that we love. I think one of the major problems with most people in our life is we spend so much time worrying, excuse me, worrying and we spes we spend less time actually doing things in our life that make us happy or knowing what those things are and i'll give you a great example i remember during covid and so many people went through this i mean i'm a person who speaks on happiness it's what i do for a living and during covid when we first went down into lockdown I was at home with my family. I was expected to be now um, a, a, an in-home teacher for my children. Uh, and that was not a path I chose, even though I chose to be a mom. And I sat at my desk one afternoon, and this was after a few weeks of, of being at home. And I was looking around going, I don't even remember what makes me happy anymore. And so one of the things that I did with my kids is we sat down and we said, okay, let's go back to the basics. What are the things that make us happy? And so we all created this little happiness toolbox to get us through COVID. You know, for me, it was getting out of nature. It was going for my runs on the seawall. I live in Vancouver, Canada. It was doing my exercise. It was spending time by myself even though I was home with my family. It was meditation. It was listening to great music. It was getting into my garden and getting my hands, you know, dirty and in the soil. And then my kids had all different other things that they like to do. And so when we all felt ourselves banging up against each other, we would reach into our happiness toolbox and remind ourselves of the things we needed to do to make us happy. And so that started relieving some of the stress that I was feeling in my life, being at home with my children, not having the time to work anymore. And we actually started getting out into our community and started giving. We painted rocks all the way across our front um, front part of our house to bring not only joy to ourselves, give us an activity to do together, but to bring happiness to our neighborhood as well. And instantly, we all started to feel a shift, getting stuck out of our heads and starting to focus on the things that truly made us happy, which actually made me pr more productive. And I got back to work and I was able to find the times in my day. So I hope that made sense. But yeah. these are the little things that we can do in our own world to start I, I say switching, switching that we're flipping on the happiness switch and turning off our stress switch. Jacqueline, I, I love that happiness prescription that you just gave. Um, and you've given a TEDx talk that got a lot of views, I think maybe 6 million, it says. Can you tell us about the TEDx talk, how it came about, the title of it, and the, the key insights from that for the listeners? Yeah, you bet. So the talk is called How to Be Happy Every Day. It Will Change the World. And the talk itself was actually based on 
I was asked to do a talk against, or not against, with some happiness researchers here in Vancouver, BC. And for those of you that have never heard of it, there's something called the World Happiness Report, and it comes out every year. And what you may have heard is there's actually a ranking on where the happy, happiest places in the world are to live. And so that research is actually done here in Vancouver, Canada. It's done with some of the leading researchers on happiness. Uh, and it is, it is produced with uh, researchers from all over the world. And so I was asked to stand with some of those researchers and be an on the grounds person on why, on the science of giving and why giving increases our happiness. And so the beautiful part of that story was uh, shortly after I did that talk for, this was for the Canadian, the Advanced Canadian Institute of Scientific Research, I was then asked to do a talk around my charitable organization, which is called 365 Give. And that really talks about the state of happiness, where the world is at, and how we can start increasing happiness by giving. And I've been very blessed. I always say that talk has been on the wings of angels. It's had over six and a half million views now. But what has really happened is across the globe, we have seen a movement of happiness and well-being that has happened, which is the most important part. And now helping people understand why happiness is a key pillar of well-being and why giving, being altruistic, or what's called in the scientific world, pro-social, uh, and that's pro-social behavior, is a key pillar to well-being. And so this is now being amplified all over the world so that people understand those key pillars of well-being and how we can increase our mental and physical health through giving, but then all of the other pillars, because this also goes into not only giving, but it goes into what's your purpose? How do we actually increase meaning in our lives? And this always goes back to giving and purpose in our life. Because what we have, what continues to be shown is, is that when we step into our purpose, and so Hebe, you continue to do this and show up in the world and stepping into your own purpose. When we step into our purpose, when we increase the meaning in our life, which also leads us to how we can best give back to the world. When we are being our best selves, when we are increasing our personal happiness, the personal love that we feel in our own lives, we then can take that and put it out into the world. And that's what I always say is giving is love and happiness actually in, in action. But that starts with ourselves. And it has to know, we have to know that we have to be love for ourselves. We have to make sure that we are filled up and we are happy for ourselves so that we can effectively, without conditions, without any expectation of anything in return, we can then go and flow that out into the world. And the story in the, the TEDx story that we did, How to Be Happy Every Day, really talks about how we can be our best selves so that we can go out and change the world. And as simple as one give and one day at a time. Because giving is different for everyone, depending on where you live in the world, depending on your age, depending on your cultural influences, depending on your religious beliefs. It's the common thread that runs through every human being and is possible for every human being. And you have to go out and find the ways that it works for you, depending on where you are in the world. 
And that will be different for every human being as happiness is also different for every human being. And that's what the, the talk is really about is how we can effectively go out and change the world in a way that works best for all. Fantastic. And I would encourage everyone listening to this or who's going to be listening to this um, podcast, definitely check out Jacqueline's TED Talk. It sounds absolutely great. And Jacqueline, is it available on YouTube? I, I, absolutely. Yeah, it's available on YouTube. How to change the world one give. Uh, how to change. The, sorry, how to be happy every day. It will change the world. Um, Ted has obviously have it up on on their site as well. And that's how you'll find it. You can search my name or you can search the name of the talk as well. And Jack, you know, in medicine, we often think about, you know, clinical states. We don't think about happiness. We think about what makes us almost unhappy or if you stayed in other ways, clinically depressed or anxious. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the paradigm, which sometimes is the problem because sometimes baseline is not good enough, right? You want to strive to be happier and make yourself optimally happy at times rather than maybe be in low mood all the time. And then you fall into these states. Um, and the, the piece around giving is, is, is brilliant because we can all participate in that. Right. And it gives access to everyone to be happier. Um, so, how do you think about happiness um, in terms of people who may be, you know, suffering from, you know, low mood? Let's not say that they're clinically, they've got, they've got ill mental health, but yeah. mental health has been a big topic, especially in the pandemic, like you pointed out, mm -hmm. um, with loneliness, and there's been a lot of factors that led to it. So how do you kind of speak to someone who just been facing low mood? Absolutely. So I think one of the things that you need to know, we all need to realize about happiness, and this is latest research um, that has come up, and it was actually done in 2021. And a recent recent research study um, studied 1 million people that were um, in the army. And what they have come to discover is the number one proven way to increase your happiness is social connections. Listen, it's one of the reasons that we now know social audio, for example, has really helped people and helped people through the pandemic um, is that social connection that people can have, whether it's in person um, and, and just being in person or, or being um, with other people. And so your number one route to happiness is, first of all, social connection. So you need to find your way to be social, socially connected with other people. Now, the neat thing that I like is that one of the ways that you can do that, and if you don't have a large family or you don't have a large friendship circle, is that if you can spend some time volunteering, is that will increase your social connections. Now we're on the other side of the pandemic. We can now do more things in person. One of the greatest advantages that you can have to increase your personal happiness is go and volunteer. You can volunteer at the soup kitchen. There's, um, there's literally hundreds of thousands of charitable organizations in every single area of the world. Go volunteer your time, even if it's for a little bit. So that will do two things, and it will increase your social connections, and it will also use the power of giving to start to increase your mood and increase your happiness. So that's one of the things that I think everyone can look at right away. The other things that you need to do is really dig into all of the areas that are scientifically shown through research to increase your happiness. And you can start figuring out which ones work for you. Because what we know about happiness, it's different for every single person. 
And depending on the day or the moment, different tools will work for you in different moments. So for example, we know that music can increase your happiness. So this is where we can use technology to actually help us in our lives. So first of all, go into your your whatever you use, whether it's iTunes or Spotify, start creating your happiness playlist. I happen to have two or three of them. I have one specifically to get me going, get me running, get in my workouts um, and get me moving. That will increase my happiness. I have other ones that are like inspirational pieces of music that I use. You can also look up inspirational pieces of music that use um, scientific research that use the frequency of hertz that will energetically help you vibrate at a happiness level. You can use that. So music is one form of it. Getting out in nature, connecting um, and, and walking in nature is another big one. Meditation is another one. That can be walking meditation. It can be sitting meditation. Find the ones that work for you. Giving is obviously, I've already talked about it, a proven way to increase your happiness. So these are just a few of the tools that you can use. I even use YouTube as my tool. Um, and I make sure that in my YouTube, what's popping up for me, and that can be... Um, again, music, it can be inspirational talks, it can be spiritual conversations that I know will help to um, level up my energetic frequency and will increase my happiness just by listening to them. You can listen to books on YouTube. Same way, use use books and other um, methods that you can sit yourself down and actually listen or read a book that will move you towards happiness versus something else. So we have so many tools, find the ones that work for you and make sure that you have access to them whenever you need them and they will start to change your mood. But I am going to say one thing and we talk about this as well, which is pocket, um, toxic positivity. We can't convince ourselves into happiness, right? Learn the things that will help to shift your happiness, but also honor the days we have to honor our emotions one way or another, but it's how do we honor our emotions, recognize them, be aware of them, and then begin to shift them. I love that, Jacqueline. And, you know, I'm a big fan of tech and we are seeing a lot of apps come out, for example, you know, Headspace and Calm and, you know, there's various others. I, mean, I use them of, all. <laughs> yeah. Funding in like mental health and tech and apps being funded right now is absolutely insane. Absolutely. What is your take on, on those type of solutions? Um, and is there any that you recommend? Absolutely. I use them all, literally. You know, I think there's so many, so much negativity that's around these days about the effects. You actually held a room in Clevos um, this week that was kind of talking about, you know, how is technology um, being used to our disadvantage, but how can we use it to our advantage? Because I see technology as a benefit to our lives. It's really about how we utilize it to best service us rather than letting technology control us. And, and that's the big difference that we need to really take a look at is what we know about technology. And it doesn't matter which app that you're talking about, whether it's the social apps, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, or is it also the apps that we can use to our benefit? Um, so 
I have a number of them. I have Calm. I actually use um, for meditation. I have a beautiful app that I love because it does a couple of things and it's called Insight Timer. The beautiful thing about Insight Timer is it has an endless amount of meditations, but also learnings that you can use, but it's powered by the people. So the neat thing about this is it's not one person that is powering the app, but it's people from all over the world that have downloaded their meditations. They've downloaded their teachings and you can go and use them both for free. You can make donations to people and you can um, actually join things like their teachings. You can pay for the teachings that they're doing. So it's finally an app where Creators and content creators are able to give their things away for free, add value to the world, but we can also be part of the ecosystem that feeds them at the same time. So I love that app. It's called Insight Timer. There's so much to be had on there. But, you know, we can also use things like Mind Valley. Like, what a beautiful opportunity to learn that's been created so that, again, our education can be different. Um, and that continues. The masterclass is another one. I mean, there's almost endless opportunities to edu educate yourself that may not be at a university level, but can also be as well. Um, there's a happiness class at Yale that you can take for free through Corsica. So the endless opportunities where we can get educated for free and use technology to our wellness health, to our mental health. But this is all about choice for human beings. And you have to choose if you're going to sit and scroll and what's going to come up in your feed. This is a personal algorithm that you create in your life through the choices that you make. So you need to start choosing. You, you need to start making those choices on your phone because what we know is even our phone is listening to our conversation today. And I know I'm going to be able to go up on Instagram and it's going to start showing me literally in my feed what we've talked about today so how are you choosing to have discussions what are you choosing and picking on your phone that's going to show up in your algorithms in everything that you have every app that you've chosen because we have to remember that everything we do on our phones is is literally whether we like it or not is being tracked in one way or another so use that to your benefit have the conversations that matter. Show up in rooms and places and spaces that's going to feed you more of the good news in our world and the, the ways that are going to make you healthy and happy in your own life. What a great ending there, Jacqueline. And thanks for that. So the ultimate question, it's about being intentional, it seems. Yes. Um, so you said you're in control and people often ask, do social media make us less happy? And you've more than adequately answered that Mine does. It's, it's up to you <laughs> <laughs> it is it's all about choice and making those choices it's the one thing we have about our human experience and what i believe we're here for is you get to choose even in the worst of circumstances if you have a phone in your hand in the world or access to technology and a computer you have free choice to a certain extent use it to your benefit use it in a way that's going to not only benefit your own life that's going to benefit others to increase other people's happiness to give back to the world and to make the news feeds that we all consume a happy and positive place for everyone Jacqueline, it's been absolutely fabulous having you here on, on the Human Behavior Show. And guys, you were listening to the Human Behavior Show episode five, and we were Jacqueline Way, someone who's an expert on happiness, and she's told so much about happiness and given us so much knowledge on the topic, and, and I've just learned a lot as well. 
And she comes from such a pure place and she emphasized things like giving, which have been very important. And um, Jack, I've loved, loved having this conversation. So appreciate you coming on. I want to know where can people follow you or keep up to date with the, your research? Thank you so much. I so appreciate that. The best place for me personally is on LinkedIn and that's Jacqueline Way. All of my other social handles, I show up as 365Give. So at 365Give, I'm blessed to have a team of volunteers um, that help us with our charitable organization. So it's LinkedIn and then Clubhouse. Obviously, you and I um, share a lot of spaces in Clubhouse together to do exactly what we're here doing today. And that's to help people understand and increase um, our own choice and our own human behavior. So I'm honored to always share a stage with you. And thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to be part of this platform with you. Thanks, Jacqueline. It's an absolute pleasure having you as well and being able to do the talk about behavior and humans and, and just get d- deep dive into all the research. And I'm, I'm really kind of delighted that I've been able to get you. So thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening to this podcast um, available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe to the Human Behavior Show if you want to keep in touch with great, great guests that we have on, similar to Jacqueline. And I hope to see you in the next show. Thank you, everyone. Bye, Jacqueline. Bye. Have a beautiful day on purpose, everyone.